0: You're listening to The Setup Podcast, a podcast that helps you navigate new topics in music, tech, and entrepreneurship, with the most disruptive professionals in the music industry, turning their experiences working behind the scenes into actionable advice you can use. I'm Sydney. And I'm Sam. And And we're your hosts for The Setup Podcast. If you're like us, passionate about paving your own path, hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite app because we'll help set you up for success at The Setup Podcast. I want to say a quick shout out to our amazing listeners. Truly, I created this podcast to help those who are new to the industry, just like I was once. And I'm very happy to learn that I can also provide insight to those who have been in music for a while. I want to give another shout out to all of our new listeners of The Setup Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. So, Cindy, who have we got this week? We have Izzy Bedoya, founder of Fame Hackers. She helps independent artists accelerate their music careers by helping them attract more super fans, gain more exposure, and monetize their music. She is the former A and R for a label under Sony Music and a previous marketer for an award-winning influencer marketing agency with Fortune 500 brands, including Snap, Google, Bud Light, and United Healthcare. Izzy now helps new artists excel in the new music industry by helping them grow their fan base and monetize their music. She's on a mission to empower artists with the right skills needed in today's world to create their own wealth with their music so that they can monetize their craft while attract loyal fan base, leading to a life of fulfillment. Today, we'll dive into authentic marketing tactics and how you can make an impact on your fans. Hi. All right. Hello. How's your day? Awesome. Everything's been good. How about you? Good. Thanks for joining us today again on the Setup Podcast. Uh, to start off, tell us how you got into music. I'm sure that question's a shock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I don't know if you're prepared for the answer. <laughs> so how I got into music—it's I—I have like a really creative um, story. But what I did was I started as a private chef. And what I did was I knew that I wanted to be in music, but it's so saturated and everyone's going at the same route. So for me, it was like, how can I think outside of the box? And in my scenario, it was like, well, I knew how to cook. I was getting clients. I didn't necessarily become a private chef to go into music, but I knew that that would open up the door to move to LA. And then once I got to LA, I just went like all in on like all these different networking events. I went like all in on like social media and like finding out events happening in the town and stuff like that so a lot of my a lot of my success and everything i've done is really relationships and meeting the right people i hear you there i feel like
0: that's every project i ever get at this point and i always preach this too with artists in in their positions like it's always about the relationship don't force your music you want people to seek more information so like why the hell would you send a link without context to someone um but we'll definitely jump into that later so did you always have like the entrepreneur instinct in you
1: I think so I mean I had the lemonade stand right <laughs> so I think so I didn't really know that that I wanted to be an entrepreneur to like I think I was already like in college um but because I didn't really think about it I was just like whatever my friends were doing I would do but I did have you know like the um lemonade stand. I did also create like my study guide homework assignments. I would give them to like my classmates in school. So I would also sell my notes. So I've always like, (laughs) like, yeah, I've been like really, really creative when it comes to like making money. And I just knew that I didn't want to work in a cubicle. (laughs) Like that was my biggest like fear. You know, I just don't want to work in a, in a cubicle. So yeah, it was just always becoming resourceful and creative around it. Yeah, that's so funny
2: about the notes thing. Yeah. That's genius. <laughs> Except for I was always on the other side near the notes yeah. in college.
0: <laughs> I mean, one thing too. I'm sure you get this all the time. I love the name of your business, and I didn't c- connect the dots before. That was an acronym, but I love what it stands for.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it catches everyone by surprise. You know the funny part actually is that people actually some people confuse me as a hacker. So like I will get requests. I legit have gotten a few phone calls of people that like find me on like Google my business and they call me and they're like, "Hey, can you hack into my account?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> so that's the funny part. But um but yeah, fame hacker's really like the it just came to me one day where I was like it's four pillars and it's not just for music, it's for any business, you know, a strong foundation. Uh, For those of you guys that don't know, it's F stands for foundation, A stands for audience, M for monetization, and E exposure. And as long as you target any of those four pillars, you're going to have a really strong business.
2: What exactly do you mean by foundation for an artist?
1: So a foundation, basically, the biggest part that we overlook is that artists are businesses, right? They're brands. So having a proper foundation means having, you know, like... How we were talking about earlier, like the website, something as simple as that, it helps with discoverability, having your systems in place, knowing who you are as an artist, how you want to show up into the world, your brand, um, your core values, your even your ideal target audience, all of those things are like, a, like pretty much the blueprint to your success
0: yeah and also i feel like some businesses even themselves like they they run without setting a foundation i uh, one of the other episodes that we that we had in this season was on building websites And there's so many great resources out there that can help those who can't like essentially do it themselves. Like everyone thinks that we have to be techie or we have to have that background. But one of them in particular that I'm very fond of um, is Banzoogle. Are you familiar with it? Mm -hmm. I love what they're doing with artists. I think they make it so easy with the templates and even as far as like what to do after they have a website. So um, I think that's very important to have a foundation like that because then you could do so much more, like the email, like social media, like where to send people,
1: how to make money. Exactly. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that like they're not that hard to make anymore. Like companies have made it super, super simple. And also like, if you go on Fiverr, you can get someone to do it for like a hundred bucks. Like it's not expensive, you know? Wow. And yeah. You don't have to get like the fancy schmancy website to start off. You just need something, something yeah. to hold the spot. You know, with any career, or
0: business, it's evolving. So it's never going to be hopefully like what it was at the beginning, like the, the point is to keep pushing forward and grow. So, so what's your process when you um, first connect with artists? How would you get them started?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I think the most important thing for everyone to know, if you're still struggling with foundations, I think the, the most important thing to like, really hone in on is who you're, ideal audience is you know like your ideal listeners because this is the one mistake that I see a lot of artists make where they just think that their music is for everybody and when it's for everybody you really resonate to no one so the most important thing is to actually hone in on who is it that you're creating music for and even if it's yourself that's cool because you can pull out certain characteristics that's gonna also resonate to other people in addition, the, the other thing, too, is when you're thinking about who your ideal audience is, also think about the psychological triggers, because, you know, we have the pains and pleasures, whereas a lot of people get so focused and they're just trying to figure out, you know, the, the socioeconomic status and the demographics and all these different things. But what's really, really important is the pain and pleasures. If you can figure out what that is, your content is going to resonate, your music is going to resonate. And it's going to be so much easier for you to actually get out there. How
0: can
2: an artist find the pain points and or pleasures of their other fan base?
1: Such a good question. So if you look at all the big artists, they have all figured that out, right? It's in the themes of the music. It's in the themes of the songs. So like some big artists, for example, uh, Taylor Swift, the pain point, is the listeners are trying to get away from the pain point of heartbreak on the pleasure side the listeners when she has music it's like about hope being a hopeless romantic and stuff like that her listeners are going towards the pleasure point which is that like happy you know that happy go lucky uh life and then the same thing you can see in a lot of the bigger the bigger artists but one big example that I like to use because it's so it's so simple like you see it in the name like get Richard or Die trying by 50 cent mm-hmm. it literally Talks about the pain point and the pleasure point in the name of his album um, where it's like, you know, you either get rich, which the struggle, you know, coming out of the hustle culture, coming out of the struggle. That is the pain point that they're walking away from. And the pleasure point is when they have the car, they have the clothes, the jewelry, like everything's like so good and they're on top of the world because they have all the money. So this is like a perfect example. These are like really good artists to pull from Um, the average person that hasn't figured it out. Just look at what you're writing. Look at the themes that you like to write about and look at the things that you're constantly bringing up in your music and start identifying what that looks like. And then most of the times what we'll discover is that usually the music that people create is for like a past version that they, of themselves that they mm-hmm. wish they had when they were younger. So just that alone, it also helps you see, you know, who your what your pain points are. You know, there was a an artist that I helped one time figure this thing out and she was talking about how her parents went through divorce and her music was about helping others cope through when their parents are going through divorce. And that alone is a pain point. It's also a pleasure point when you find resolution through the hard times. So in
0: that example, how do you create a theme without being like, I'm talking about divorce and look at me now. I'm like, I overcame it. How do you, how do you turn that into something that's relatable, but still
1: not Two in the weeds there <laughs> yeah yeah so it it really does depend on a uh, artist by artist cases like like do you write music for example i wish i <laughs>
0: am not creative in poetry that yeah
1: no, poetry? i i don't smather are you speaking for yourself <laughs> no no <laughs> gotcha okay yeah so how a per- typical person would like make this applicable for themselves is to just figure out, you know, it doesn't have to be something as bad as divorce or, like, something as as heavy as that, you know? It can be even the fact that, like, you woke up today and it's a happy day and your song's about, like, how you're going to have a good day, the best day ever, that's feel-good music. So it really just goes back to, like, check out what you're writing and actually be intentional about what it is that you're writing about, what your music is about, and start kind of, like, peeling back the layers of, like, okay, this is the end goal. When the song, a listener listens to the song... They're going to feel empowered. They're going to feel happy. They're not going to feel alone anymore. Figure out what that looks like per person. And then that's how you start kind of like honing in on on the message. I really, really dig that.
0: And I feel like that like feeds into the idea of being authentic to yourself. I think when an album like tells that story or has that theme, you know, it's real because it's different angles of like a similar um topic a similar theme of itself
2: especially when people are trying to get their creativity going but then also keeping in mind to keep it in some kind of category to fit a certain group of individuals
1: i think though when you're when you put it that way though it's if you think about your ideal fan avatar and you think of like the way that i came up with my avatar for example and i think this is like the easiest explanation Um, I just thought of it like I thought of their pain points and the pleasure points. And then I like named the person. And then what I did was I every time I want to create a piece of content, I would be like, okay, well, is this going to, you know, is, for example, Maddie is one of them and Spencer's the other one. Right. So like, (laughs) is Maddie going to resonate to this or is Spencer going to like like this? Do you think they're going to actually, you know, relate to this? So when you're creating music, it's the same thing. And like, it would just be one of those things of like, you know, would that person like to listen to that? And then you start creating it. And this is what I was saying, like majority of times we actually find out that the person that we're creating it for was like our past versions of ourselves. So just having that clarity, it helps you so much more to like create music that's going to be in a, in a category because you're creating it for that person.
0: First off, I think it does help people to like separate themselves from everyone else or what their intended audience is um, through something visual like that sometimes. Like, because when we're just like in our own head doing it ourselves, it ends up being super specific. And also you can't exactly figure out where you can find those people, you know, or who it resonates um, other than someone very specific like that. But Um, speaking of like, once you understand like who this is for and who this would resonate with, where would you try to find those who have similar pain points and pleasures like that?
1: So you pretty much start seeing like similarities, right? So for example, um, going back to, let's go to like Taylor Swift, right? Her, because a lot of people write love songs. So Taylor Swift's example, everyone's going to I saw this in Clubhouse a lot where people would open up like listening parties and they would think that they're getting followers and it's fans, but it's not. The smarter thing would be to go to like the rooms where they're talking about heartbreak and heartache Mm -hmm. and talking about relationship drama and just like, hey, guys, I'm here, by the way, I'm an artist, you know, (laughs) like like you kind of sneak in to a pool where all your people are hanging out and obviously you're not going to spam them like that. But when you join those conversations, you're, you, the thing that people forget is that outside of the music industry, artists are actually considered cool. Like people love to know artists, but in the music industry they're kind of just like a dime a dozen so when you separate yourself from the music industry and you go to places where people are going to be like oh I was talking to this girl on Facebook she was so you know like so uh her music was so interesting like it really made me look at my relationship in a different way all of a sudden now you're tied into that artist and this is how you start kind of like playing in pools where your your audience is hanging out in you just got to get creative and Facebook groups is like an amazing place for that um Clubhouse was also a really good place but like, I don't even know if people are going on Clubhouse anymore.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, you just can't be like putting yourself in a box just because you're a musician or creative. You, you, all you do is listen to music rooms and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the downfall, like thinking
0: with the music part first and not with what the music is actually about, because I feel like, like a lot of us we're either in a certain setting where we need a certain type of music or we're seeking music about certain things that makes us feel a certain type of way. And plus, like, I'm sure along the way, it, it's, it's not just like to share and promote yourself. I'm sure you can find like a tribe kind of thing, you know what I mean? So it's like
1: a win-win situation. You can't lose. Absolutely. And it's not just like digital places, it's physical too. Um, there was this artist that, I remember. So I do these like boot camps every so often. And one of the artists came in and we figured out her audience would be typical people that go to like zoomies or like packs on or hot topic. Mm-hmm. So she ended up going to the mall, she ended up talking to the manager, the manager played her song, and then it picked up so much recognition that her like the manager supervisor was like can we make this like a regional song like to play around on all the zoomy stores and it was one of those things of like if you know your audience and you know where they would hang out whether it's physical or digital you can then start playing in those spaces and it's going to be so much more uh lucrative for you than just like sticking to the music rooms yeah and it's
0: and that's like where the authenticity comes from like it's not like um, that musician never liked that store or, you know, um, it wasn't their type of style, like it made sense and it worked for everyone. And I think that also ties into the relationship aspect. I'm sure that person didn't just one interaction with that manager of the store. Like, I'm sure it was like, they probably seen them a bunch of times and started up conversations or something.
1: Yeah. I mean, relationships really take you, like, that is the, that is really the key to your success in any industry, I believe.
0: Um, What would you say is the number one rule when it comes to relationship building?
1: Number one rule, uh, be selfless. Like, figure out a way to provide value to them before you ask for a favor. And you know, we hear value all the time, but like, what does that actually mean? Right. So one of the best things to do is just, and I actually learned this from one of my mentors It's an acronym it stands for hope it's help one person every day. And, you know, yeah, it's like, it's a really cool acronym, but, um, basically like this, this works like a charm when you want to get like sync sync and licensing kind of deals, um, look for music supervisors and you first, you want to always address them by the name. So like, You know, let's say for example, like, hi Johnny, you figure out what they've done. So you always want to lead with a compliment. So you want to figure out what they've done, what their success has been in the in their career or a recent accomplishment, and you you compliment them on that. It takes you five, 10 minutes to look up, Mm -hmm. you know, what they've done. And once you like, and then you wanna end that like intro paragraph with a with a question. So the question is gonna be like Are you working on any projects like that? Do you need help with anything? Like, you know, what kind of artists are you looking for for your next project? So now you're actually thinking, like, think about it from their shoes. If you get a a question, like, first of all, you get a compliment, you're going to be rude to not reply, right? So they don't want to think that you're rude. So you got to be nice. You got to reply. And if you're asking a question like that, where you're actually just like approaching them from the act of service, you're going to make their workload so much easier. And it doesn't have to be you pitching yourself. It could be you pitching your friend, or a couple of friends or other people from a Facebook group that you just met. But the fact that you did that now you earned brownie points because you just made their workload so much easier. So yeah, I think like just approaching people with the act of service is going to actually like help you in the long, the long run. Okay. I could attest to that because, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm
0: constantly connecting with people every day, like whether it's a collaborative effort or having them on this podcast or, you know, recruitment, anything. It's that's the exact format that I would always suggest. And I use myself or not only can someone ignore a compliment. And if they do, I mean, what the heck? (laughs) I mean, sometimes people are busy. We got to remember, but that's why there's always follow-ups. Like can't forget that. Like people aren't for the most part, they shouldn't be ignoring you completely, but if you follow up and they do, then mm, maybe, I would always suggest too, like, if you do your homework and you put in the time to get to know someone else, like they definitely can't ignore you. Um, One of my favorite questions I always ask is if someone, if they're excited about something that they're about to work on, because Mm -hmm. it prompts them to, oh, like, yes, I am. I could talk about myself. Yay. I could talk about my project. And then that starts a conversation on if, you know, if there is a gap that you can fill.
1: Absolutely. That's so clever anything <laughs> exciting you're working on <laughs> yeah oh no, not excited <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but like excited. at the
0: same no but at the same time I also made sure that that I did my research to make sure that they're working on to know that they're working on something because obviously at this time like a lot of people lost work and or pivoted or something like that so I wanted to make sure I didn't ask those types of people like hey are you excited no this year sucks no, I lost. And my I'm stressed. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to know who you're talking to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which actually leads me into your other company, uh, platform that I'm super interested in. Is this
1: new tool, the super fan Track? Can you talk about that? Absolutely. So it's basically an all-in-one digital marketing platform. So what that means, it has your funnels your website if you guys are doing like for example uh fan club memberships or if you're hosting your own courses we have like it has a place for that it has your community sms built in it has your email marketing built in it has your like everything built in you can even make calls from it it will record your calls so like if you have people like i have appointment setters so i'm like constantly listening into the calls and i'm like okay here's where we need to improve and like you know fix things um it really is like, it's so magical. It has changed my life. I've been doing this in my own business for like, I don't know, like four or five months now. Oh yeah. my gosh. I am like obsessed. <laughs> every day I wake up, like every time I do like a new addition to it, I'm like, oh my gosh, like a little kid in a candy store. Cause it's so incredible how much it's like created so much time freedom um, by putting systems and automations in place. So it's basically like my COO, it's really crazy.
0: Yeah, so is it a CRM tool mixed with a- like marketing like a, sales too. Well, yeah. like a marketing tool. And so it pretty much integrates everything for you in yeah. one place. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, even like Facebook ads and like Google ads, if you're running those, and if you're doing like Google My Business, it also has your, uh, it has like a chat, uh, chat widget You can see your ad reporting, like you can't launch your ads from there, but you can see ad reporting, Facebook chats, Instagram chats. You can see those come in and you can talk from there. So it's really cool because as you start onboarding team, like team members, you don't have to give your, your social media account passwords. You just create a team member account within the tool so much safer and so much easier. Um, But, oh my gosh, it's crazy.
0: (laughs) So give us, give us an example, like a quick example of how a music professional
1: can use it. So a music professional. Okay. So for example, if you are looking to get a lot of like sync placements, then this would be perfect because you can set out your campaigns. You can segment out your list, send out campaigns, see how many people opened, how many didn't open. You can actually put like the customization. So it actually goes hi name, the name that pops in. The way that I like to do cold email is I'll I'll put it in a spreadsheet. So I'll put the name the first name, I'll put like the compliment for that person. So when I'm putting it into an email marketing system like this, I just put like the variables. So it automatically plugs in the customized email per person. Um wow. so that's one really good way to use it, because then you can see how many emails you're sending out, how many replies, open rates and stuff like that. Um if you are, for example, selling music production skills or songwriting skills. You can create your funnel, which is like your landing page that's going to sell your your services. And then on the back end, you can host your course from there. So Kajabi, I think you can only do like three videos before they upcharge you. Um, this, we have like unlimited funnels, unlimited courses and stuff like that. So it's, it's really cool.
0: <laughs> wow. I remember the last time I spoke with you, I think you just launched it. Um, so it's crazy to see effective it is in your job. And I mean, it's your baby. So hopefully it's doing exactly what you wanted to do. I need to try it out because this sounds like something that I definitely need because Mm -hmm. right now everything is so disconnected. You know, I have to plug into so many different tools, have to like compare the data amongst each and do that stuff
1: still. So, I mean, it's definitely a tool that's like I needed I think I got up to like a $1,000 a month on software ads on software spend. And I was just like, there has to be a better way, you know, like, we're all tied into like, click funnels and Kajabi and like the basic tools, but it adds up really fast. Mm -hmm. And then when you're trying to do like login, like resetting your password, I have ADHD. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, forget it. I'm resetting the password. You're going to lose me to a TikTok video. And then I'm gone. <laughs> I'm gone for the day. So it really, it was just one of those things that like, I knew I needed. So it like, and it's just been like crazy. So right now um, that is, that's actually crazy, Sydney. Like we did talk about this like months ago. Yeah. And then I ended up doing, instead of a soft lunch, I ended up only offering it to the people that do the program so I can help them build it along the way and that's been like such a better strategy because now I'm not like you know wasting all this time and like hurting my head of like oh my gosh this is how you do this part and like you know it's actually like a step by step it's been really cool but yeah Yeah. eventually we're gonna do the whole demo videos and stuff like that it's just a matter of time
0: wow and is it just you doing this or do you have uh, other team members like
1: working on it as well So I have, I have VAs. I have three VAs that help me with the tech, um, virtual assistants for those that don't know that. So I have three Mm -hmm. VAs that help me with the, the tech. I have one VA that helps me manage my entire life, which is super amazing. I love her to death. And she also is incredible at like content creation, which I didn't know until recently, I did a video and she like went on Canva and made an even better video. And I was like, okay, you just fired me. Thank you. <laughs> so Thank I her information. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. She's incredible. Um, yeah, so I have her and then I have, uh, some, I have like four people that are helping with appointment setting and then I have one closer. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's been, but even like this tool helped me actually create the team or like attract the right team members, because even like onboarding wow. people, I have modules for that now where I'm like, you want to join this team? You're going to watch these videos first and then you're going to know exactly what to do. So yeah, we've really systemized a lot. I seriously need that because I
0: know that there's so many <laughs> things that I do that can automate and I'm just like stuck in my ways and I need to like get out of it. You know what I mean? Because I could save so yeah. much time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll
1: hook you up. I got you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm really curious about the other pillar too, because I feel like this is a um, struggle that a lot of music professionals and just business owners in general, you know, find challenging is the monetization part or even going from one
1: sale to recurring ones or growing it. That is such an important topic. Um, The best way that I can put this is instead of thinking about, selling shirts and selling vinyls and CDs and things that people don't really use as much, and also they're kind of lower ticket, what you want to do is think about your subjectivity of your music, like the theme, going back to like pain and pleasure points. Because if you know that, for example, we had an artist that his whole entire music was about like mental health. So we created offers along the way, you know, and it's not just like buy a shirt or buy a bracelet. It can be something like we're going to host a workshop. We're going to bring in a mental health expert. Obviously, we, are, we ought to pay the mental health expert, but now we're going to host this workshop and we're going to charge a little bit of money for the workshop. And then that could lead into a higher sell at the end of the workshop, where it can be something like, you know, a, a monthly recurring membership of like mental health accountability or something like this, where it's not necessarily you're not saying that you are the expert, but you're creating an atmosphere that's going to help them get a better like better mental health and that's going to include the membership is going to include that you bring in experts for example or you create a once a month like mindset recall uh, reset call or something like that so it's just figuring out like what your fans want and kind of just diving into that instead of just selling another shirt because shirts you got to compete with like David Dobrik and Justin Bieber and like everyone else doing a merch line. So it's still effective, but your, your profit, you got to sell so many shirts to make a decent profit. Uh, but yeah, if you actually look at it from how can I create more value to my audience, then that's going to help you actually create a lot more revenue. And
2: I guess before even kind of understanding, I guess before picking out like how you can even mine size um, your craft what would be kind of like the first steps to them to even getting to thinking about that or starting to brainstorm of how they can create a reoccurring payment or reoccurring revenue stream?
1: Yeah, so the first thing that you would want to do is survey your audience you know, figure out what they want, and then give away what are called like lead magnets, which is basically just like digital downloads. So you Mm -hmm. don't necessarily have to give people, you know, a whole physical product. You can give a digital download. And if enough people download it, first thing you're going to get their emails and their phone numbers. So you're going to get their contact information. So that means that you can survey them as well. And if you don't get a lot of signups for that, then it means that you just haven't really honed into like well on what it is that they want. So it means go back to the drawing board, reinvent that lead magnet. I think we created like five lead magnets before we had our winning lead magnet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one of those things that like sometimes you just have to test and present it until it works and people actually want it. Um, and then that's going to be your list builder. So this is how you start also the trusting relationship, because you're giving them a gift, they're giving you their contact information. Now you promise not to spam them. So you promise not to say, listen to my song every single day. yeah (laughs) And then they earn, you gain that trust. And then when it's time to offer them something after you've surveyed them and know what they want, then it's going to be so much easier for you to put something together for them. And that kind of comes hand in hand into
2: making that one-time purchase into a reoccurring. How can the artist continuously build that trust and build that relationship so that that one-time purchase is turning into that reoccurring, you know, whatever frequency revenue stream that they're that's essentially the end goal is?
1: Yeah, monthly recurring revenue. That is so important because that's how you build wealth. You know, mm-hmm. um, the, I mean, think about Netflix. Netflix charges like $17 yeah. a month or something. It's ridiculous. They make billions of dollars. Um, So you just want, you got to think about what is something, and that's exactly how you got to think about it. You got to think about how to make your offer like, like Netflix. They just got to keep subscribing and it doesn't have to be $10 a month. It can be $50 a month or a hundred dollars a month, depending on your demographics, um, depending on who your target audience is and how much value you're actually going to provide. And if your offer is going to provide some sort of transformation, the transformation, you can actually sell for a little bit higher. So when you're thinking about, this is called like the value ladder. It's a really common, um, it's a really common theory or fact in digital marketing where it basically goes from like, it's think of it as a staircase. And on the bottom end, you have your $0 entry point, And on the top end, you have your uh, high ticket offer. So it's just creating little offers in the middle where it's going to take you to the high ticket offer. And the high ticket offer can be, you know, uh, well right now COVID kind of like put a damper on things, yeah. but it, it could, your high ticket offer could be, you know, go on a getaway trip with you and the inner circle fan club to whatever island or a studio time or something like that, when you're thinking about recurring revenue, it should be more so like how can you supplement to their lifestyle. So um one of the things that you can think about, like I said, the whole mental health example, and then if you want to tie it in, make it like add the, the merch because you really want your merch to get out there. You could also make this as an add-on of like buy by my recurring membership every single month, you get a shirt of the month or you get a a hat of the month or something of the month. So you figure out, you get creative and this is where creatives have like, you know, full reign to be creative with how their offer looks like. Um, But it's just one of those things that like, it's something that's going to keep people coming in.
2: So what are some of the pitfalls that you're saying that artists are focusing on too much?
1: Pitfalls. This is such a good question. Uh, Some of the pitfalls that I see artists kind of like focus in on the first one that I'll see is that they focus only on the music. And then they'll say, like, I don't want to do this side because I need a manager for this side. And I just, you know, I don't want to do it. But I mean, even entrepreneurs have to do that, too. So if you look at an artist as an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur doesn't have the luxury of saying I need a manager for this. So sometimes and I'm not like for hustle culture, like I actually am super against hustle culture, but I do understand the importance of like sometimes you just got to wear all the hats and then learn how to do things on on your own before you can start hiring. And that's one of the things that like, you know, if artists could just understand that it's not only about the music, the music plays an important part. But if you think about it kind of like you're a brand like Apple and Apple has iPhone and iMacs and all these different things the music is like an iPhone. It's a component of your brand. So I think like just thinking about it in that lens is going to like create a major shift.
0: Yeah. And the iPhone is the core product, but you can have accessories like Apple's always selling you all this other stuff that you absolutely need. And it also tells the whole entire story as long as it all makes sense. So what would be your best piece of advice for others who are just
1: starring off in the music industry? I think my best piece of advice would be to actually go on social media and yeah like actually go on like Instagram, TikTok, figure out which platform you don't have to go on all, figure out which platform you like best and then just go all in on one platform. Like don't spread yourself out too thin. Don't go on YouTube and Twitch and all these different things. One platform that's all it takes and then focus on if you guys go to like about.instagram.com, I believe it is, or just like Google, like about Instagram or about LinkedIn or about Facebook, they will literally tell you how to use their platform. So there's no like mystics about it. Like so many people are like the shadow ban and this and the algorithm. And it's like, <laughs> if you go to it's like <laughs> Instagram's about, they will tell you step-by-step step how they want you to use their product. So <laughs> just pick one platform and go all in on it. It's as easy is, as that. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and honestly,
2: that's so funny. Like, that's the first time I'm hearing just to search the about a set of like, you know, you got to basically jump through hoops to figure out how to work a platform. You got to go on YouTube to understand how to work. Instagram.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. We humans like to make everything so complicated, but it's yeah, really so it's- simple.
0: Yes. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go check it out after you said that. So oh, yeah, <laughs> this is our favorite question um, to ask. What do you want to be known for?
1: What do I want to be known for? That's such a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, I really want I think what I would love to be known for is one of the people that helped shape the new music industry. Um, because right now there's so much I think we're like at that verge of like there we know there's a new music industry we also a lot of us are stuck in the old music industry ways so we're kind of at that verge uh, or at that merge but um, but yeah I think I would definitely love to be known for that because one of the things that one of the reasons why I even started fame hackers was to change that mentality from like families that if you follow career in music that people think you're going to be a loser or homeless or whatever it is. And in reality, you can make such a good sustainable living. If you just do things, you know, in, in the 20, 21st. Yeah. What, what century are we in 21st century? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever yeah. year when <laughs> that's
0: like a good question. Yeah. 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 Century. <laughs> yeah. I dig yeah. that. I dig that so much because like, like you said, we don't have to make it as hard as it is like, And also it's about like trial and error, you know, like, and, but at the same time, sometimes you got to stick things out. Like if, if you see a little bit of traction and you enjoy it, I guarantee that you will find your, your fan base and, um, think about ways that you can engage them other than um, just the music, because that's how you create a loyal fan base. And that's how you get them invested in you with the the whole story um, and the value with it. So switching gears here, I'm just very curious, what's your favorite way to discover like new artists and music?
1: So I used to spend a lot of time on Spotify, but I, I don't necessarily do this method anymore. The way that I've been going about it lately has been through hashtags and just like really? looking for, yeah, it's I, like I have changed my ways, but I used to spend a lot of time on like Spotify and just go down the Spotify rabbit hole. Um, but what I've discovered that I personally resonate with is the lyrics, as long as there's like a good message behind the song, like that is what I mainly look for because everything else can be polished, can be like fixed and worked on, and make it better. But, the message I think is so important. And a lot of times I'll find myself liking songs, not even because the song is that good of quality, but because the message that they're saying is so empowering or something like that. So, um, so yeah, that's been my, as of late, (laughs) I just go down like positive music hashtags or like impact artists or stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's a little bit of a rabbit hole, but it's starting to pop up. There's a lot more people like that.
0: Yeah, I like that. I mean, that's very unique. I actually have one more question. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I know that earlier you said that
2: um, sometimes it takes, you know, artists like five times to figure out how they can actually create the reoccurring payments um, from their fans. From your experience from working with all these artists, are they scared to do the trial and error? Like, are they okay? (laughs) Are they yes. giving you like pushback with all of that?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. They like people will ask. There's this book that I read one time that said like when you're about to overcome, like when you're about to step out of your comfort zone, you will fight so hard to like pull yourself back into the comfort zone. And we all know growth doesn't happen there. So mm-hmm. it, that like resonated so much with me. But I've seen this so many people do this, like the second that they're about to like step in into like their own greatness they're like, oh, should I like, it's like the silliest questions, not to like say that they're silly, but like, because it's really like, it's really like the questions don't really like matter for the bigger picture, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's like, it could be the smallest thing. I was like, do you like this font color? Or like, do you like this font? It's going to make, it's going to make or break my sale. And it's like, no, it's not. (laughs) This is something that you worry about when you're scaling, you know, when you have Mm -hmm. like millions of dollars coming in. But, um, It's really interesting. So when it comes to something like that, I usually just tell people to take messy action, because it's never going to be perfect, right? But if you take imperfect action, which is like messy action, that's going to lead to a, a little win, and that little win is going to lead to momentum, and that momentum is going to lead to a bigger win, and then you're going to get confidence to do the whole thing over again. So just messy action until you get it done. I love that. It's all about building momentum.
0: And it's funny that you mentioned about like the font and logo, because I'm actually dealing <laughs> with that with one of my clients right now. And that's exactly what I said. I'm like, you know, I guess it is like a good best practice to get into, to get into that mindset where like, I, but like at the same time, it's halting. But that comes after. No, yeah. but exactly. If you were like the super well-known brand if you made a mistake, everyone would notice, but right now it's people give you, I guess, some grace because you are figuring it out. You just got to separate yourself from your ego and it's a little chunk of you and it represents you and we're all feeling that way, but we're all feeling it together. So I guess my biggest reaction to that is just like, get over it.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah done is better than perfect 100 percent you know as a matter of fact um there's a, oh sorry you were gonna say something <laughs> no
2: I was just gonna say like that your brain is like is like a pie chart like your and your time the amount of time you point into something is taking away time from other things so you're taking away time from the actual purpose of it because you're too focused on those little details
1: yeah yeah but, it's so insane um there's actually a low like starbucks logo I don't know if you've ever looked at it but because We know that if we do something perfect, it's not going to resonate because no one's perfect. So Starbucks logo, if you actually pull it up, one of the eyes goes down a little bit lower than the other eye. Mm -hmm. And they did that on purpose. So so if anyone's ever telling you you anything about logos, just be like, you know what? (laughs) There's no such thing as perfect. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. I love that. Thank you so much, Izzy. It was such a pleasure to have you on this
1: episode with us. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and so grateful for, you know, for your time and for inviting me in here.
0: Thanks for joining me for another episode of The Setup Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review The Setup on Apple Podcasts. And I encourage you to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. If you have any topic recommendations or questions, please visit us at www.thesetupseries.com.